I know we're a little bit Anglican at times. Can, can we just welcome Peter uh, in a kind of more official? Thank you. And um, can I just pray for you? Great. Yeah, pray? brilliant. Yeah. Father, we thank you so much for Peter. Thank you for your call on his life to this city. Thank you for the way he's poured himself out for you, but to bless this city and to bless those who are in the city. Father, thank you for his courage. Thank you all you're doing in and through him and all those who work with him. Just we're grateful for him. I'm grateful for him this morning and just continue to bless him, to fill him, to give him all he needs, to fulfill all you've called him to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. That's great. Hi. Um, good. Well, you're doing this series called The Character of God, and today we're thinking about God is just as part of the series. Um, but first of all, let me just say the kids were great, absolutely fantastic. And when I asked for the, the Good Samaritan story, I never guessed that we'd get it looking quite so amazing as that. So thank you. Now, this is Jackie, my wife here. Uh, we have two daughters. We uh, go, we, our daughters don't, they, they've moved away, but uh, we go to All Saints Church in Weston, the other side of the village. And as I think you know, um, we started Genesis a long time ago. And Sean here is part of Genesis, which is great. Now, quite a number of you I know who are volunteers in different parts of Genesis. Um, and uh, what we do in Genesis is to help people to get back on their feet. And you saw that was one of the phrases that was on the film here. And you got a good overview of quite a number of our projects from looking at that. And I know some of you have been working in them for, for quite a while. Okay, so God is a God of justice. That's where we're starting. We were talking, asking ourselves just now about what makes us angry. And so part of this is going to have to be what makes God angry as well and think, begin to think that through. But first of all, thinking time again, please. I'm asking you a question. What does justice mean? Right? What does justice mean? Of course, it's a big word, and it's got different sort of meanings to different people. So just start to think, what does it mean for me, this word, justice. Okay, so while you're doing that, I'm just going to look at a few different angles of what justice means. There is this whole thing about moral rightness, isn't there? That, you know, something is, is right because it's right, because there's a difference between right and wrong, and the right stuff is the just stuff, so we've got that. There is also everything to do with the justice of a cause. So if a cause is a cause to do something that's fantastic, you know, helping children in need or whatever it is, and we say that's a really just cause, a, so there is a justice in it. So it's that sort of broader meaning. But there's also this meaning of treating people equally. So of fairness. So we, we might say, well, that's not fair, or it's not just on that person, because we ought to be treated in the same way. Um, and then there's also the thing about bringing people to justice. So actually, you know, you've got the courts, you've got, you've got the police, and you've got people who are, have broken the law, and they are brought to justice. So what does justice mean in that way? So let's try and join those different types of thinking about justice together. And what I suggest is that we can say that the search for justice is the search for truth and then acting on it. I'll just say that again. The search for justice is the search for truth 
and then acting on it. So it's not passive. You know, there are lots of emotions and things that happen in our Christian lives, like joy, for example, which we sort of receive. But with justice, we do something about it. Um, and uh, then there's this thing about getting your just rewards, isn't there? So uh, just rewards may be, may be good things, like, you know, if you eat your main course, you can get your pudding, so that's sort of just, but it may be bad things, like um, if you do something naughty, you land in prison. So both of those, the ice cream and the pudding, and the ice cream and the, and the prison, are both forms of of getting your just rewards for goodies and for baddies. And in both cases, it's the rightness in a situation which needs to be discerned. That's the truth, it's the rightness. And it's treating people fairly. So are you okay with that a sort of package about what justice is? Now we know that God is a judge. You know, he separates the sheep from the goats. It says it in Matthew 25. What it says is, uh, this is talking about Jesus, all the nations will be gathered, this is at the last coming, and Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats, the goodies from the baddies, those who have done well from those who haven't done well. We know uh, that, that God hates evil. Uh, there's this lovely proverb, the fear, Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So that's God and us. So uh, God hates evil, and he hands that on to us as we respect and love him so that we also hate evil. So we can think of God as being uh, a hater of evil, and that's a sort of stereotype sometimes has been within the church. You know, you, you, everything that God just it says everything is wrong and bad, but that is just a stereotype of part of God's character. Justice is far more than hating evil, isn't it? Because God, we know, he also loves us, he forgives us, he wants the very best for us. That's all part of justice, not just the anger and the hating. And, and, and God sees what is wrong with us, with the world in any way, and he provides a way out. And as he provides a way out, God is a rescuer, and so part of justice is actually being a rescuer and finding the way forwards. So God is in the rescuing business. Okay? Now, who needs rescuing? We all do. <laughs> we all need rescuing. But because I'm here and we've been thinking about Genesis... I just want to tell you about some of the people in Genesis, types of people who, who need rescuing. And, you know, you will be very familiar with this from, from people who are in Snow Hill and all the work that Domi and everyone else does. But we, I'm talking here about people who are homeless and who need to find a home and get back into a place where they want to go into a home rather than living on the streets. We're talking about children who do not have parents and who need to find a family that they can live with and be their own family. We're talking about people who have no food and who need to have food every day in order to survive. We're talking about people with multiple challenges in many ways in their families who need lots of help 
in order to keep going and get back on track again. We're talking about people with addictions who want, need to escape from those addictions, however hard it's going to be. We're talking about people with mental health issues who need to find the right way in the community in order to live and to live a fruitful life. We're talking about people who have lost confidence in every way, in who they are and what they are, what their future is, and they need to be given hope. Uh, and we're talking about people who are injured on the side of the road. This was why this story Jesus gave, this story about the Good Samaritan, that's getting people back on their feet again. And these people are all around us. They are all around us in our community. Sometimes we don't see them, but they are here, and they are part of who we all are as the people who live for us in the city of Bath, and God is in the rescuing business. Okay? So, how does God do the rescuing? Well, he does it in two ways, to keep it simple. The first one is through a direct relationship with all of us and with the, everybody who, who needs, needs help in terms of love and forgiveness and peace and hope and all those things. Now, we know that, but very often, for the sort of people I'm talking about, and for many other people too, they're just not at that point in their lives where they can receive everything that God has for them. So the second way, of course, is through us, God's people. We are called to share in the rescuing that God wants to do. We are called to have compassion and, as we were saying before, to put it into action. Now, compassion, let's look at it. Here's a dictionary definition of compassion. A feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Now, there are lots of key words in that. So, we've got misfortune, someone's misfortune, and, and uh, they are stricken by it. So, life is bad. Think about the, the person who was robbed here. And then how do we react? We've got this word sympathy, sorrow, strong desire to help and to alleviate, make better the suffering. So this compassion, this is actually justice in action. We said justice is about the search for the truth and then putting it into action. This is the action bit. God as a rescuer. Except, of course, in this case, it's us doing the rescuing. So now we are the rescuers. We have the compassion. Okay. Now, how does that work? Well, first of all, why should we do it at all? You know, we could say, my life's busy. Uh, uh, I, I just want to look after my family, my friends, my children. You know, uh, they're the people I love. Um, uh, that's the challenge for me. I can only do so much. I'm just me. Uh, and, and helping all these other people is just not in my comfort zone. And I'm sure we've all felt familiar with that sort of feeling. But where we do feel like that, here is the answer. Um, I'm looking at James, uh, book of James, or letter of James, um, chapter 1, verse 27. What God the Father considers to be pure and genuine religion is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their suffering and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. 
So to keep pure and to help people in need. That is what he's saying is at the top of the list for, in order to uh, be a pure and genuine religion. And this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And this is part of our calling for all of us, is serving others. God gives us the compassion. It's not ours. It's His. He's given it to us. And that's how and why we can do it and keep on doing it. Now, let me tell you a story. Uh, this is about the very beginning of Genesis, and some of you were around and part of it, I think, at that time. Um, and it's about compassion. Um, Gail, Gail Vaughan, uh, gave out some sandwiches to, some, to two boys who were digging around in a dustbin down an Avon Street car park. Uh, and they said they didn't have any food, and so she went and got some sandwiches for them. And afterwards, she said, what are you doing tomorrow? And they said, we don't know, we haven't got any food. So she said, come back at 7 o'clock tomorrow for some more food. And she brought some friends, and they brought more sandwiches. More people came, and that was the beginning of the soup run, and that was the beginning of Genesis. Um, so that was compassion in action. Um, uh, shortly after that, Jackie and I went uh, down to the soup run, as it then was, um, and um, uh, we, we, we joined in with, uh, with, with what Gail was doing and uh, got involved, and then Genesis started to, to grow further uh, from that. Now, at that point, Jackie and I were bringing quite a lot of homeless people to our church, All Saints Western. Um, we had them for lunches in our house, a whole group of people who usually don't go to houses at all. Uh, we were making lots of visits to people in their homes uh, and wherever they were living and under the bridges and so on. We were going to prison, see people who'd gone to prison. Um, and then we had a visit. We had uh, um, um, language students staying with us. And there was a guy from Finland called Mati. And he came, and he was a Christian, which was nice, because most of them weren't Christians. Um, and I was going with Mati under the bridges, taking food, people up and, up and down the river. Um, and when we got home again, he said, I want to tell you something. And this was a sort of prophecy. And he said, do you realize you can do more if all the churches do this together and not separately? And that it just turns into something that more and more people get involved with. Um, and um, so not long after that, we had a meeting here downstairs before all the work was done. And it was really grim sort of basement as some of you, so a lot of us will remember. Now, I don't know if anyone remembers coming to that meeting then. It was in the early 1990s. Uh, so, any, any, who was around in the early 1990s? Uh, lots of people, yes. So, you might have been there. Martin Lloyd-Williams, when he was curate here, was there. And we decided that we would get the churches together in order to, uh, in order to uh, do more work uh, for people in need in the city. So, that was a birth of the vision which happened in the basement here, joining the projects together. And a bit later on, Martin became uh, one of our trustees when we formed a charity, and we kept going from there. And of course, now we've got 10 projects. You saw all of them in the, in the film there. And we help people on their individual journeys, going through all of the different projects in order to fully get them back on their feet. Now, Good Samaritan story. Um, Setting the context of it was the expert of the law um, asking Jesus, uh, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Really important question. And of course, Jesus says, what does it say in the, in the, uh, in, in the word? And, he, and the chap said, well, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. 
those two things. Jesus said it also in other places. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not optional. Um, so then the guy asked the question that we all need to ask, who is my neighbor? Uh, that was what the story was about, who is my neighbor? Um, and, and then at the end, Jesus said, go and do the same. Now, God gives us compassion. We've talked about that. We all have neighbors, not just the people living next door. Um, and uh, what we do, we do something, this is the action, we do something about it, and that's what the story is all about. Now, we know the story, we've seen it here, and there's all this aspect about it. Jesus, as, you know, if you read Matthew's Gospel all the way through, he's saying, but the priests and Levites are, are not, you know, they've got a lot to learn. Um, and, but let's not look at all of that business there, but I just want to pick up now on some aspects of what that story teaches us. The first one is that the heart of the Samaritan was ready, okay? His heart was ready to actually do something. So let's ask ourselves the question, are our hearts ready? Are they really ready? Is all of this that we're talking about theory or is it practice? It's the difference between <laughs> Um, listening to a sermon and actually going out and, and helping the poor, thinking about it or doing it, heart stuff or, or, or hands and feet stuff, I mean head stuff or hands and feet stuff, so it's ready to do it. So that's the first challenge I like, that I think that we've got is, are our hearts ready, as ready as the Samaritans were? The second one is we have to open our eyes. Um, in all three of the people who were walking across, it said either they saw or they looked. They saw the man. That's the first thing that happened. They saw him. Now, um, in, just as we were starting Genesis in spring of 1991, Jackie and I and a number of others went to spring harvest, and there were talks about all this sort of stuff there, which were great, and I remember them so well. And I said to Jackie, well, we haven't got people like that, that sort of need in Bath have we? We live in a nice, genteel place. Uh, my eyes had been closed to the need that was all around us, and I just thought we lived in a nice middle-class town, which, of course, was never true. Um, and we came back, went down to meet with Gail, and suddenly, boom, you know, the world changed completely. So it's so important for us to open our eyes and see what is the need of the people, of our neighbors, whoever they may be. The third thing is about crossing the road. Now, what it says in the version that I've got is that the first guy who came along, the priest, actually went across the road to avoid the guy who was lying there. So he avoided him, he actively avoided him. And so we need to think, so do we do that? I mean, that's quite challenging. You know, do we sort of think, trouble ahead, you know, I'm, I'm going to get out of the way, I'm not going to get engaged with someone who I can see is going to be demanding or difficult or just not like me and, di and so difficult. So th that's a big question for us. None of these questions are easy, I'm not saying that, but, but they are big questions. What can I do in order to draw near to people who are in need? And of course, that is the purpose of Genesis and lots of other charities as well, is to make it easier for each one of us to draw near. It makes it easier because it's sort of uh, organized already and there are other people to do it with. The fourth thing is about overcoming differences. Now, 
the priest and the Levite, I think, as they went along, thought, that guy's not like me. And therefore, you know, it, it's just not, I don't want to help. And I think we can all feel, you know, that, that, that people, that type of people, they're not like us, and, and therefore we can ignore them. It's not nothing to do with us. Um, when when uh, Jackie and I went on our first suit run, we got culture shock, complete culture shock. In fact, we couldn't even go home afterwards. We, our, in our home group, uh, Ruth and Peter Norman were in our home group, and we immediately just went and knocked on their door and said, we've come here to pray, because we can't cope with the culture shock of, of what we had just been, been part of. Um, and, and so we just need to open our eyes to see that people are different and not run away from them. Um, now, um, you know that phrase, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, it was actually Paul who said it in Acts. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that means whoever they are, even if they're different. And I know that many of you who are volunteering in different ways with people who are in need with Genesis Projects and others um, will be able to attest to that, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. The next thing is that the Good Samaritan knelt down. Now, the temple assistant looked and walked by. You know, he didn't kneel. Um, and do we do that? Do we, if there's somebody in need, do we just look at them and walk by? We're up here and they are down there. And the answer is yes, we, we, we do. Uh, and, and it's even just saying, I'll pray for you, or thinking, I'll pray for you, is not kneeling down. Now, street pastors, David's a street pastor, and I'm sure that you kneel down with people when you meet them, <laughs> uh, because that's where they are in the middle of the night, because you can't talk to them from way up here, especially if you're David. <laughs> uh, um, so um, it's getting involved, the kneeling down, putting oneself out, spending time, giving love, um, either on a one-to-one -one basis or as part of a group. And again, that's what we help people to do with Genesis. Um, the next point is about giving friendship and practical help. And the two go together, friendship and practical help. The, the people who are helping are not just a number. Uh, um, sometimes in Genesis, our, uh, people that we help say when, when they're dealing with the social services and others that they sort of feel that they are a number. But that's not what it's about. It's real friendship and practical help. And it's doing it not just to keep me happy because I've done my bit. It's because it's a commitment of compassion to love that person or those people. And of course, the thing is that commitment is long-term and it becomes part of me. And again, that's, that's, that's hard. That's hard work, but it is part of what it, what it is. And this practical help, uh, the, the Good Samaritan used his own resources as we saw. The kids were explaining about that. Uh, and, and so helping others does cost me. It really does, but that's good, that's not bad, that's really good. The financial support, which we heard about in the sketch as well, uh, and, and so he gave money and that's fantastic, and it all costs, you know, charities cost money to run. Love and compassion are free, but getting stuff ready, getting food, getting buildings ready, everything, as we do stuff together, there are costs. And that's why in Genesis, we're always fundraising because we need to in order to keep that part of the show on the road. And it's all part, the money bit is all part of the justice for the poor. 
Uh, and then the last one is the ongoing love. This all takes time. People who are in recovery, sometimes they just get better and better and better and get, and get back into the real world, but sometimes they go up and down and up and down. Um, and we have to keep loving them uh, and we have to keep serving them. And I know that Sean will very much relate to how that works for, for individuals. But we need to keep working together and we need to keep rescuing and being the rescuers. So just to conclude, thank you for all you do do as individuals, as a church, helping us in Genesis and in every other way that you do. And just four points for us to, to sort of summarize with. First of all, to understand the heart of God, that it's a heart of justice, of forgiveness, and of compassion. Secondly, that justice for the poor is our God-given role, okay? Thirdly, that we all have opportunities to do these things, and so for us each to say, what are they for me, and who is my neighbor? And fourthly, to enjoy the fact that as we bless others, we are blessed ourselves. Thank you.